Welcome to All the Things with Monique Dusan from the Center for Biblical Unity and theology mom, Krista Bontrager. And now, here's Krista and Monique. Yay, welcome to All The Things. I am Monique Dusan. And I'm Krista Bontrager, also known as Theology Mom. And welcome to the season four, season finale I can't of All The Things. We've been doing this for four, see, what's that? That's four years. Yeah, so we started 2019. We endured the pandemic in 2020. 2021 is 2022. Y'all, we've been here a while. I bamboozled her pretty good, huh? She really did. <laughs> She really did. If you guys go back to like our older shows, I just sat there and was just like, why are we here again? Can you remind me why we're doing this? Yeah. Yeah. Your PTSD was still a little bad. (laughs) Might not have been the most equal bamboozle. It was just, it was, I I did not like it at all. I was like, what are we doing? But now look, Look I can't imagine not being here on a Saturday night with all of you guys. Make sure if you are watching, and I'm assuming you're watching because, you know, there are people there, um, that you share the show. Uh, let us know where you are watching from, who you're watching with. Yeah. Yes. And since we are live, we want to say thank you to our uh, moderator tonight, the lovely and gracious Elaine Voss. Yay. One of my Dutch tribe people. <laughs> well, there you go. There you go. You just come with them quick tonight. Yes. Well, uh, right. And also helping us tonight and every night, the one and only, lo- I can't really call you lovely and gracious, but I'll call you handsome. No. Bob Bontrager. And he's sporting his March for the Martyrs. Thank you very much. Yes. Our daughter Emily is there. Yes. Yep. The March. She helped organize the conference or the March. Today's the March in Washington, D.C. They had a little write up about them on Fox News yesterday. Did you see the picture of her? No. Yeah, you want to see it? Yeah. Let's take a look at it. My mother said she that uh, March for the Mars was also on the 700 Club. Oh, yeah? Because that's where my mother gets the news. She's, she's right there. That's oh, that's forehead. her little oh, head. That's that her is. forehead right there. Actually, this is from last year, but. <laughs> yes. That, that's So if you see her forehead. That's her. That's her. She's a little short like me. And that's her boss on the left is Gia Chacon. She's the uh, founder. Mm-hmm. So. Awesome. Very cool. Now, somebody says uh, in the YouTube chat. Um, that they like it, that they have the same uh, laptop case that you do. <gasps> yes. Oh, my gosh. Okay, since we're talking about it, this Must is my phone it? case, and I actually have one for my iPad, too. It's all the same. It's literally all the same. Yes. Whoever you, I don't know who said it, but yes. Anne Marie. We are twins. Yes. All right. Jermaine's checking in from Atlanta. We'll be there when? On the fourth, about ten days. Yes, on yes. The so yeah. Um, so obviously our guests didn't work out for tonight. So it's just us. Oh, Rachel says that um, she will be missing the family meetings on Thursdays. We're actually, I think we're still doing the family meetings. We'll hop on. We're not yeah. just going to leave you in the lurch completely. Yeah, we'll still be there. Off code will still be there. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll still do family meetings. We just didn't do one this week because we are hard against some deadlines and we couldn't do it this week, but kind of have a family meeting ish show planned for tonight. Yeah. And, um, and then when we get back from our East coast trip, um, we'll definitely, um, do some family meetings in October and November. 
So, all right, Tiana. No, so let's address this thing. We got people saying, can you come here? Can you come here? All right. I want to. I will go anywhere. We, we will go anywhere where we're invited. So if you want to organize an event, you want to get with your pastor, you want to get with your school, bring us out, do that. But we don't um, ask to come places. We have to be invited. Yeah, but we yeah. would like to go to North Carolina. We would. I'm actually wearing a shirt from a ministry in North Carolina that was sent to me from Brandon Rhodes and his wife Caroline, and it's True North Ministries. All right. And so yes, I wanted to give them a shout out since I have on their shirt and I love this blue. It's a good blue for you. It is. It is. I actually had earrings that I was going to wear that was the same color, but I forgot them. <laughs> so there's that. I feel kind of you know, not all the way complete. Hi, Monique. Was halfway through your Rosh Christie interview and switched over to this live chat. Thanks for your testimony. Well done with Rosh Christie. Thanks, Uncle Jeff. I try. I try. Okay, so let's get this show on the road. Yes. Okay, so we got... Well, I have to cough. I am so sorry. All right. <coughs> we don't My have... allergies are bad. Yeah, I've yeah. been struggling too. Today's been better for me, but I've been having to take a lot of, a lot of remedies. Um, okay, so we need an intervention. <laughs> might. Uh, so we've been, we entitled this show Help Wanted because some of the things we're going to talk about tonight are some areas that we need help in. And we want to talk about those issues. Some of them are topics. Some of them are areas of expertise, mm -hmm. um, a lot of different things. Plus, we've got a lot of things that have been in the news that we're going to comment on. And I'm going to surprise Monique. Uh, with some things in the news that she hasn't seen and she loves surprises. So we're going to surprise her with some takes on various things. I absolutely do not like surprises. <laughs> the devil is a whole lie. So we'll see what happens. She might be surprised by my surprise. <laughs> and then we all going to be surprised. We're all going to be surprised <laughs> today. <laughs> Okay, let's All right. go. All right. So the first thing we want to help. Um, let's talk about some of the things we want help with. Yes. Okay. So you might have noticed there are certain topics that we don't actually talk, talk about. Like we're pretty fearless in talking about a lot of different topics, mm -hmm. but there are certain topics that we haven't yet covered in four seasons of all the things because we don't have an expert. <laughs> Remember when we didn't talk about LGBTQ plus stuff? For a long time. For a long time. People might not have noticed that, but it took yeah. us a couple years before we did a show on that mm -hmm. because you didn't know where you stood. And that's OK. I mean, sometimes you just have to be patient <laughs> and it took a while, but you came around and praise God. Won't you do it? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> keep going. OK, so, uh, you know, there was issues related to pro-choice when Monique was in her own process on that we didn't do shows about law enforcement right away because that was still something she was thinking through so there's a few topics that we would really like to talk about and talk to people about but we just haven't been able to find experts so a couple of weeks ago on the show um, I just offhandedly mentioned a topic that I needed help with mm -hmm. uh, when we were talking to Elisa Childers yeah and I had a, a guy reach out to me the next day and sent me some extremely helpful stuff. Thank you, Michael. And we had a great Zoom call. We're going to have some more calls. He doesn't know it yet, <laughs> but we will be having more calls. But um, no, it's super helpful. Uh, he stepped up and I feel like, oh, wow, I 
Uh, he's an, he's, he's a little further down the road on the research of this issue and um, was really able to help me and help, help save me about a hundred hours of research. So we would love to, we're going to mention a few other topics that we're struggling with, with finding experts. Maybe, you know, someone, maybe you are that someone. Um, and you might want to step up and help us out. Send us an email at the email address um, on the screen there at attlivestream at gmail.com. Okay, what's the first one? The first one is sentencing. Okay, so talk to us about that. What is sentencing? Well, okay. Well, the topic itself is how, you know, how are people sentenced when they commit a crime and are found guilty and now they need to be sentenced? I am, um, I've always questioned, like, mm, I wonder, you know, when I was in CRT, I just automatically knew white people got off, you know, quicker than black people. But now that I've, like, done some study and research into it and things like that, I know that much more goes into it than that. It's and, complicated. Uh, it is complicated. And I'm just wondering, how does sentencing work? Um, you know, and how do you, you know, different states keep things just? Um so that, you know, the poor aren't being sentenced longer to longer terms than the rich. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just what are I'm the variables really that go into determining sentencing yeah. and how does it vary from jurisdictions and, and statewide versus federal? How does all that work? If you are a person who knows about this or if you know somebody, maybe or it's you your know, brother-in-law. Yeah. You know? Get us connected because we, you know, sent, the conversation about sentencing is a big discussion in the, ju the wider justice conversation, but we haven't wanted to comment on it just by reading news articles or, or, or that sort of thing. We always try to talk to a few mm -hmm. experts before we go on the air with something and a new topic. And that's what we really need is we know that this is an important issue. We, we think that there's some important things to talk about with regard to sentencing, but we don't want to just go off the top of our heads or go off of popular level news articles. We really want to talk to some people who are experts in this yeah. issue, who are Christians or maybe who are open to a Christian point of view and um, help us understand, you know, more about this issue. So that that's one area we really need help with. Yeah. You know, we are definitely for justice. And so if there's the possibility of something being unjust, right. you know, how do we, and we say it all the time, how do we use our voice, our vote, and our dollar to be able to speak into that area? Um, there are definitely disparities in sentencing, for sure. Like, that's just statistically true. We see that. But that doesn't mean that just because there's disparities that what's happening is unjust. You know, I don't hold the the position that every disparity is some kind of injustice. Yeah. We need to do research and make sure, um, you know, that we're doing our due diligence to understand, like, yeah, yeah, there is a disparity here. And it's because of X, Y, and Z. The X, Y, and Z, though, doesn't have to necessarily be an injustice. It could just be the way certain people groups choose to participate within society. And that creates a disparity. I'm not of the camp, like I said, that every disparity automatically equals an injustice. But we would love to have that conversation. I would love to have that conversation personally. We really want to know more. Yeah. Yeah. And so. I, um, I think along those lines, are you ready for the next yeah. one? Yeah. Along those lines is um, bail and, and the cash bail system. And there's a lot of conversation right now happening um, regarding bail and who gets bond posted and how much. And, you know, are you... 
um, if you if you commit a crime, is your crime even bail worthy at all, or are you just detained and then released? Yeah, you know we see this. Um, there was with the Illinois situation. Well, there was that situation Illinois. just Illinois. this week in um, North Dakota where a guy uh, did some kind of hit and run or vehicular manslaughter with um, uh, toward a young teenager who was a Republican, and he mm-hmm. believed that. This, this guy was um, calling for some kind of mob to come after him. So he ran the kid over mm-hmm. and um, then he was let out on $50,000 bail. And which I think you only pay 10% of that. Yeah. So it's like $5,000. Yeah. And so then it's like, well, how does that work exactly? Like how is bail determined uh-huh. is a big question we have. And, and there's so much call in the justice space for the elimination mm-hmm. of cash bail. Which actually, I believe, was started by Angela Davis way back in the day. So we need to give a little context mm-hmm. here because this is something that was completely new for me. Yeah. So Angela Davis studied with Marcuse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he is a very famous... Um, critical thinking. Yeah. Critical theorist. Cri- critical yeah. theorist. And um, Angela Davis... You can go on YouTube and look up Angela Davis. I mean, she's got YouTube videos going back to the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of her things was she studied under Marcuse, but she, she also has for like the vice president of the Communist Party. Yeah, she, she's a communist. Yeah. 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 She um, she has a, you know, a criminal record for sure. She went and, to prison. Yeah. And I don't yeah. um, I don't I'm not completely like solid on all that happened yeah. with that. So I'm not going to, you know, go yeah. down that road, but she does have like a huge past, like Angela Davis, everybody should know about Angela Davis. So one of her things and has been from the seventies mm-hmm. has been the elimination of prisons uh-huh. and defending the police, defending the police. So these are not new ideas. Yeah. If you start doing some history, you'll understand that these, many of these ideas that are now being put forward as justice issues go back to people like Angela Davis and have been around for decades. Mm -hmm. And this whole, like the elimination of cash bail. Now explain to us why cash bail is a justice issue. Like I, I, that was so new for me. And it was like, okay, I, I don't have any idea what to think about this. So help us understand that. Well, I see it as potentially a justice issue because Let's say someone gets picked up for a crime and they're completely innocent, but the judge sits there, sets their bail at a million dollars. You know, they don't have that kind of money. You paid 10% of that. Was that a hundred thousand dollars? They, um, they don't have that kind of money. And now they're sitting in jail sometime for months until they're or or a year or more until they're, case comes up on the docket and it's time for them to go before the judge. So now they're just sitting there as an innocent person, just detained. But you can also have a person who commits a crime like this guy in North Dakota commits a crime may admits that he commits, admits that he committed the crime. Like there, we read the police report today and he admitted it. So it's not like it's to be determined. The facts need to come forward. I read the police report. Mm-hmm. He admitted he ran the teenager down because he was a Republican and he was fearing that he this young man, this 19 year old was calling his friends. And so he decided to run the guy over, which kind of sounds like premeditation. But 
And that's a whole other story. We're not going to go down that (laughs) road. Um, But, you know, this person is innocent, but I mean, is guilty, but has the money to get out. So So to me, it makes me wonder, how are we treating the rich and the poor in these kind of situations? Because the poor, innocent or guilty, have to sit. Like, it, and I'm, I'm not necessarily concerned with the guilty, but the innocent really have to sit and just at times if, you know, if they have a high bail or um, even if it's not a high bail and they just can't afford it, they can't get bonds. You know, now they have to wait, you know, for a long time in order for them to to get out. And I just really want to know, like, how how do we do this in a way that's just where the the rich aren't able to, you know, just here, here's my $10,000, here's my $100,000, and now I can go and walk around and be free and be with my family and things like that because I have the means to do that, even though I'm guilty. I think the the problem with the this, you know, situation, though, is that to eliminate bail or to eliminate detention is to say, well, you know, you're guilty, and so you know, or your crimes don't meet the the highest standards. So you're just going to get to go out and be free. And we, what we've seen recently is people, um, you know, reoffending. That's yeah. the word that I'm looking for. They, they reoffend and they reoffend immediately because they weren't held or detained, you know, for a good enough amount of time to be able to. Which seems like it presents its you know, own injustice yeah. toward future victims. And then there's this whole bill that's coming up in the state of Illinois where they're going to redefine who is able to get out more quickly. And I think it's called the safe safety law Mm -hmm. law. And it was voted on in 2020, but it's about to go into effect and it's, it's going to recategorize things so that you can commit some some significant crimes, some significant crimes and get out fairly easily. Mm -hmm. And this is the future, and this is the the future that people like Angela Davis and other um, justice-oriented people in that vein are advocating for. But we haven't taken taken official position on the whole bail situation because we just don't know anything about it. We only know what we see in the news. We've we've watched some you know Angela Davis videos. We're we're trying to understand it as best we can, but we really need help. So if you know someone. <laughs> who really knows about the bail issue has given careful Christian reflective thought on the pros and cons of the cash bail system on from a biblical point of view, please email us, please tell us who they are because we could really use some help. And again, we don't want to just go off popular level articles. We don't want to go off our own opinions because we're not attorneys. We don't know that. But we really want to have those conversations. We want to get more educated. We have no official position at this point. We're yeah. wide open. We just would like... We need to be more informed. We need to be more informed. Elaine so. says, this isn't bail related precisely, but a swifter moving justice system might help people connect quick proportional justice for wrongdoing and give some thought before committing crime. I agree with that too. One of the things that um, another, you know, thing I didn't, we didn't even talk about this said, you know, I could potentially want to talk to someone about is the privatization of jails mm, and prisons, yeah. you know, the privatization of prisons and, you know, how do, how are prisons making money? And if prison, if the prison system is a money-making system, well, can, let's just think about that for a minute. 
you know, what does it mean to have your prison system be a money making system? And when prisons are privatized, you know, what if, are the pros and cons? What are the that? pros and cons? Thank you. Yeah. So if you know someone who knows about that, let us know. Um, Diamond Lace says it should be called the purge law, the safety law. And a lot of people are calling it the purge law. Yeah. And the purge, I didn't see the movie, but I found, I was like, why is everybody calling it the purge? I guess the purge was a movie where um, like one day it was legal to do like all kind of heinous crimes in this was movie. Was this like a horror movie? I guess. I have no idea. But it was like they had one day. Oh my. Okay. Um, let's... Uh, Put a bookmark there. We're going to come back. We've got a couple more things that we need help with. Um, I really want to do a couple of quick takes on some some things in the news. Okay. So. This uh, is us tonight, huh? We just going for it. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. Yeah. I got big plans. Okay. I'm just. Hi, I'm here. <laughs> yes. I'm here. Okay. So. All right. First, I'm going to do a tweet um, from. Bob, it says Taylor Advocate. Do you see that one? Okay. So I saw this on Twitter this week, and I would love to get people's opinions about it. So this isn't necessarily for you, but oh, you, can, you can respond to it, too. I'm glad. I'll be here all week, I guess. <laughs> so there it is. So this gal, I don't know who she is. I don't know if she's a Christian. I don't know nothing about her. I'm just looking at the tweet, okay? And please don't go dox her or anything. Just, just look at the tweet. All right, I've deleted all my 13-year-old daughter's social media to help her out of the cult, meaning the gender cult. Um, she's not happy with me at the moment. She likely won't realize for a few more years that I'm literally saving her life right now. She will grow up intact if it's the last thing I do. So that's the tweet. So there, there's been a few of these that I've seen lately along mm -hmm. these lines that this is a strategy that some parents are using when they start noticing their kid kind of going down the gender confusion path mm -hmm. is taking away their mobile device, deleting all their social media and getting them back in the real world. I'm just curious what people think about this. What are, what are your thoughts about this strategy? I, I mean, I guess you can call it a strategy. Sure. It's a strategy. Um, yeah. I, I don't see anything wrong with that. I think, um, you know, being able to limit your child's social media access is a good thing anyway, because there's not a lot of stuff on social media that's helpful. Um, you know, present company excluded, but, um, you know, like for a 13, sure 13 year olds are watching yeah, this right now. For a 13 year old, they're on Instagram, they're on TikTok, they're on snap. They're on like the things that they're on is a lot of quick information, not a lot of context, pictures, pop-ups, and they're getting hit really quickly. And then it's like, to, you know, you combine that with the desire to fit in at school and whatever's happening at school and things like that. It's a, a disaster for a catastrophe. So there's so much research on, um, especially with teen girls, that they're, one of the key issues with anxiety, increased anxiety and depression is because of the amount of time that they spend on social media. So I'm of the unpopular opinion that, um, you know, I, I, I am not a fan. I'm just going to say this because I've been so afraid to say this. This is the thing I'm afraid of. Oh, of, of talking about. Oh, you just step into that girl. Do it. <laughs> I'm so afraid as a parent with recently grown children, I am going to talk to parents right now. Stop 
giving your children mobile devices. Just stop it. Stop letting them be on social media. I don't care. I, I know you guys all write to me and you say, well, my kid's different. My kid has discernment. Stop. It's, it's like giving your kid a loaded gun and expecting them to, you know, how to discern the complex. You and I as adults can hardly discern the complexities of the world that we're in. Mm -hmm. And we really seriously think that we're going to have a few conversations with our kids, you know, at 13 when their hormones are crazy. I mean, does anyone remember being 13? It's, it's hard in and of itself. And then you're going to give them this thing where the whole world is distorted in here. And you got like the demon realm in the, in the social, in the, in the, in the device. And you think that a 13 year old is going to be able to sort all that out. I, I just, I, I guess I might, the one thing, if I could sit across from uh, at coffee with every Christian parent who follows me, the one thing I would want to tell them is get your kids off social media, throw away their phones, let them live in the real world until their brains finish developing. And if they want to go buy a phone with their own money when they're 18 or out on their own, paying their own bills, doing their own thing, that's their decision. But until then, help them have hobbies, force them to have hobbies for they, they cannot emotionally grow and properly develop with this, the, the, the demon thing in the phone. Like, and if you want to watch videos together that you as a parent find, and you want to put them on your big screen, you want to watch, you know, our friend Melissa Doherty videos or whatever. Great. Go for it. But, but, but really like, I just, I, I can't take the letters that you guys write to me and you're like, my kid's addicted to porn. Well, they had the phone since they were 12. And, and the letters that you send to me of like, my kid is deconstructing. My kid is falling into the gender cult. Yeah, but you gave them the phone. And so it's like, please. Help. And not just the phone. No, you know, but it, it's, it's there's num- a lot. It's, yeah. It's the number one pipeline into in influencing the kid. Yeah, I think the phone. But I also think just the, the realm of social media yeah. overall, like that access. It, it's Yeah. It is, it is such a gateway to so many other issues. So along those lines, um, we're going to be, uh, while we're off on hiatus, we're going to be replaying some, some shows from our archive mm-hmm. from a few years ago that really like 35 people have seen because those when we first started out. But my old uh, college friend, Arlene Pelican, who's written a couple books on screens and teens, um, is, was one of the shows that we're going to replay And I really hope you won't miss it because uh, she offers some amazing wisdom about this issue. And as you can tell, like, it's a little bit of an emotional issue for me for personal reasons. But it's just like this is the number one thing that if I could sit down with a Christian parent and and just beg them, please Mm -hmm. just do not do this. Do not. You know, it's just it's this tough issue. So. Um, and yeah, Elaine says on Facebook, yeah, just get used. Your kids just got to get used to the idea of being weird. It's just, it, it, it's, it is, it, the kid will pressure you. They'll beg, they'll pout, but you've got to be stronger than that. You've got to be bigger than that. Help them find a hobby, do something together, go on family vacations, go camping, take them to museums, do something. But yeah. But then also 
explain to your kid why. Like, why don't we allow this in our home? Have those conversations so that it doesn't. And I'm just um, also reading Kelly's comments. Kelly, um, I'm a Il Calcio. Um, You know, explain, says explain need to explain why it's being taken away and the harm it causes because otherwise like a vacuum could be created. And I, I agree with that. Like kids can understand why we're not doing something. They may not like it, but they can understand. And, um, you know, just understanding how your family is wanting to shape their soul at this age. And you know what, what that means for them in the, the long term in the future. So I do agree. Okay, so there is that. All right, now now something for you. Oh, okay. All right. Well, so, here we go. Bob, will you play that little short video? So we've been getting a lot of questions, people writing to the ministry with this question. And we're going to listen to someone else comment on it, and then I want to get your take on it. Okay. All right, here it is. Yeah. You know, if I felt super strongly about that, I might need to get my head checked a little bit. Um, but <laughs> Disney Disney has all the power in the world oh, to create a, a black character. And, you know, so they're talking about the I, I know mermaid. a lot of people talk about the representation and how important it is. And it is a very cute thing. But but think about how much of a privileged position we are in to be talking about the representation of people in, in Hollywood and in cartoon characters and in, and in Disney movies. I get that it's important. We can also teach our kids that even though you don't see somebody who looks exactly like you, doesn't mean you can't be that thing, doesn't mean you can't achieve. And that's that's a lesson we should be teaching. You know, I I don't have a particularly strong uh, opinion on on The Little Mermaid in particular. I I think if we're (laughs) we're going to go- That's good. That's because you're normal. (laughs) You know, if I felt super strongly about that- All right, go ahead. So The Black Little Mermaid, we've gotten Mm -hmm. some questions about it. That is, I think her name is Amalia or Amala. She's at PragerU. Oh, uh-huh. Her, uh, yeah. uh, um, so I think she's like maybe she's Nigerian, Nigerian, and black. Half Nigerian. I mean, Nigerian and white. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like 21 or 22. She was on the Megan Kelly recently. And I thought it was a good little short clip on because I thought, oh, that's interesting. Like she's saying, yeah, I can understand representation of wanting the black little mermaid. Mm-hmm. But it's also kind of a privileged conversation in that. You know, we're arguing about a fictional character. Yeah. What ethnicity a fictional character should be. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's I a know. little petty. It is. It's petty for real. And I've seen people argue on both sides. White people are like, she ain't black. She should have never been black. Black people are like, finally. And the white people. Da, 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 da. And I'm just like, really? We're arguing over a fictional character. Like, it doesn't matter if she was purple because she's not real. She's a mermaid. People, mermaids don't exist. I know that that could be a hard, you know, call for some people, but they're not. Um, now do I believe that representation matters? I do. I really do. I think that having the opportunity to see someone like yourself matters, even if it, you know, it's not the end all be all. And I do agree with Amala, I believe it's Amala that, you know, you can still, um, raise your child to understand that, Hey, even though you don't see anybody like you, it might be nice to see somebody like you in this field or doing what you do, but that doesn't mean that you can't do it. I'm leading a book group and we have um, two women who they're a little older and they're engineers. Mm. And they said that, you know, in the 
maybe 70s when they were in college and going through their program in engineering, they were the only women. And they were like, I would have loved to see somebody else like me. And I wouldn't let that stop me. That's exactly what it is. It's nice. It's nice to know, like, oh, look, there's somebody like, like I can I can aspire to do that, too. Somebody else went before me and they did it. Great. But if not, then I'm going to have to pave the way. I think it's a little bit like, you know, we would love to see uh, Christians get excited when we see a big name in Hollywood who's a Christian. That's for us representation of, of sorts. And yet we have to teach our children to kind of make their own way. Yeah. You know, that we don't do that because of representation when i was in seminary i'm pretty sure i was the only woman in my theology program uh i was the only woman in several of my classes Mm. um sometimes women would come in from the philosophy program or other programs into the classes Mm -hmm. but um yeah i mean there was there was literally nobody that i could look to other than maybe and i think i mentioned this before gretchen passantino who was a local woman apologist in Southern California. We had her brother on Mm -hmm. a while back, Cal Beisner. And um, she was really like the first theologically conservative woman kind of theologian apologist that I had ever was aware of or like, oh, wow, it could be a thing. Maybe Mm -hmm. I could do this too. Yeah. So it helped, but it didn't like keep me in seminary. I mean, I was going to, finish my program. What was more important was having my husband cheer me on on days when I would come home crying (laughs) or my friend Ken Samples cheering me on. Look at that. Like if you would have said there's no representation here, I can't do this because I don't see anybody like myself. Where would women in apologetics be? You know what I mean? Like now there's a whole whole community of people just like y'all. Look at that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. So no, Represent. I believe the representation is important. I do. I believe that it matters. Yeah. And will it stop me? Will it, should it stop you? No. And we want to raise our kids that are resilient enough mm-hmm. to, that if they want to go into a certain field to somebody's got to be the trailblazer. Yeah. So, but I yeah. think also, you know, I, I think that there, we also have bigger fish to fry, you know, cause we got kids like cutting off their organs I, oh. I'm I'm not terribly concerned about whether or not there's a black mermaid and Disney's doing woke things. We already know they're woke. We already know. I don't really care about the black fish. I'm, I'm worried about kids cutting off their organs. Yeah. Um, Helen says, I think there are bigger fish to fry um, regarding Disney. Yes, I agree. Yes. Disney. It, Disney's demonic. Like, can we just like, I'm sorry. I, and I probably shouldn't have said that publicly, but these are my inner thoughts that just kind of slipped out into the open, you know, world. But the way that they are Their wanting to of witchcraft is yeah. demonic. And the, the way that they want to lead your kids yeah. is that's a problem. Like, let's just be honest. If we're just going to, you know, have a little family meeting right here. But how many Christians give them their money every day? Yeah. That's what's scary to me. It bugs you. It does. Yeah. It does. Like, I, I won't go down that rail, that tra- rabbit trail. I've been down there on this show before. But yes. Okay. All right. Let's go back to our help wanted. Okay. So we talked about uh, sentencing, mm-hmm. cash bail. Yeah. Um, so what is another area that we really need help with? Ooh, child studies. All right. Let's talk about that. So child studies is a branch of the critical social theories, and it just looks at Ch- children as being in a 
oppressed category. And I have done quite a bit of reading on child studies and what that looks like in the future and things like that. But I am not an expert in child studies. Um, Read some first sources still like there's so much to talk about and to dig into and to understand um, what does it mean to be an ally for a child? So I would love to have a conversation with someone about that because it impacts so many things. It impacts homeschooling. It impacts, um, you know, just education overall. If a child is considered an oppressed person and parents and adults are considered the oppressors, how do we then, you know, raise children? Or does it become a thing where the state can easily step in to become that um, that middle person or the, the guardian of your child? There's a law, not a law, it's a bill right now that's before the California governor, and it's SB 107. And it is um, a law, if it's signed, if he signs it by the 30th, then that would make um, California a sanctuary state for LGBTQ plus youth who are fleeing their state where, um, you know, fleeing their parents, well, fleeing their parents because that, you know, their state has given their parents jurisdiction and saying, you know, your parents have the final say. So a child can flee from their parents and come would be able to come to California. So if the parent doesn't affirm Mm-hmm. Their gender confusion. Yes. They and, can flee and come here. And then California will pay for all of their mental health and whatever medical treatments they want. And that's what, that. and when I, um, you know, skim through the bill. That's what it looked like. It looked like um, the state would step in as a temporary guardian to be able to protect the kids who are fleeing from, you know, their parents or from their state to be able to find treatment. Even if their parents were in agreement, they could then send them to California. But this bill also protects parents who are in agreement and wanting their children to participate in either hormone therapy or transitions and, you know, things like that. And where in their state, they may come up on some kind of um, charge, you know, for either child endangerment or, you know, whatever that that state's rules or regulations would be. The parents can also flee to California And, you know, I'm not really sure what all would it would entail for the parent to to come here. I'm not sure if they like get hotel vouchers to, you know, stay for a while. I'm I'm not sure. I don't know all of that. But it does make me wonder if this bill passes. Does that then set a precedent that the state can, you know, just easily say, hey, look, we can take your kid. Yeah. We can we'll make these decisions for you because parents are unsafe. Parents are traumatic. Parents are triggering. These are a lot of the words that we hear with race. And one of the reasons why when we first started talking about race, we said, hey, be careful in how you use a lot of this terminology because you're going to see it pop up in other theories. Well, child theory is one of those theories where it's very concerning to know that, um, you know, when we talk about trauma and traumatic events that, you know, a parent can just be traumatic. An adult can be traumatic simply because of their presence. Yeah. So again, um, this is the issue. The help that we need is somebody who has done more research on child studies. Sometimes it's called critical child studies. Sometimes it's called critical education studies. It goes by different names. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking at children's rights, according to not the Katie Faust definition, but more of like along the UN lines of, of things. Um, but 
you know, if you know someone uh, or you are someone, please write to us uh, because, you know, really what we're trying to do here at the Center for Biblical Unity is we don't want to just have a conversation about race. Like race is one of a suite of the critical social theories. Uh, it's usually the one that people get introduced to first, but this is why we've been doing content this season on uh, queer theory. Uh, this is why we need some help with critical child studies. We've covered it a couple of times on the family meetings and we want CFBU to be the go-to place for people who are running into any of the critical social theories where they can find a biblical perspective about these things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in order to do that, you know, we can lead that charge, but we're going to need more people. And we have our academic advisory council. They have different areas of expertise, but we're looking to, you know, continue to link arms with people who are engaged at the academic level on the research. So if you know somebody or you are somebody who knows some things about this, this area, please reach out to us and let us know. Yeah. Um, Bob, I'm going to give you a minute to pull up um, two things. Uh, one is I just sent you a link on um, Facebook messenger that kind of dovetails with this conversation. And then after that, we will go to, Impact 360, and uh, you can cue that up, and then we'll come back for the second half of the show. Um, Elaine said, what is the state going to do in a decade with a lot of damaged 25-year-olds? That's a really good question. That's the question we were just talking about mm -hmm. today. Because uh, what's the church going to do? Yeah. That's my question. Is yes. What are we doing right now mm -hmm. to train biblical-oriented therapists to deal with the damage that we're going to have in five to ten years with all of these young people, mm -hmm. how will we mobilize resources as Christians to bring the gospel to these people? Um, says um, the state will do what they normally do when it is convenient for the state. They will ditch all those damaged human beings. Yeah. Yep. And this is where it'll be important for the church to uh, step in. So I want to let people know while we're on the topic of critical child studies and um, gender issues to uh, if you're on Twitter, a great voice to follow who I tried to get for tonight's show, but she just wasn't available, but we will have her on a future show is a friend of ours, Kelly ski. You can follow her at, at Kelly ski. Bob's got a tweet that we're going to show from her so you can see her handle. So if you want to follow another good voice, I've been really appreciating the deep dive that she has been doing uh, related to child study issues as it pertains to education, mm -hmm. comprehensive sexuality education. She's researching like crazy um, the international Planned Parenthood, and they seem to really be the ones leading the charge of redefining sexuality. But I thought this graph was interesting that she posted earlier today. Um, it's the stairs of tolerance, and they go in two different directions. And when we think about this, I think this is where Christians get trapped first step is tolerance, mm -hmm. which is something that we can kind of agree with, you know, across the board that tolerating different views is a, is a noble thing, you know, that we don't um, force people to believe something through coercion. Yeah. 
But then depending on which way you go <laughs> on these stairs, you know, you, you arrive at very different outcomes. So you have the number two position is acceptance versus dislike. Mm -hmm. Respect versus prejudice is at the third position. The next stair step is the fourth position, mutual understanding versus discrimination and stigma. Finally, you arrive at either a celebration of diversity or hate and violence. And if you, you think about this, this is the language that's being used mm -hmm. in this conversation yes. about, you know, things like trans youth taking away parent rights that, mm -hmm. that parents are seeing, according to the state of California in the sexuality health guidelines, yeah. they introduce the concept that it is spiritual abuse mm -hmm. if your parents will not affirm your gender identity. Mm -hmm. This is hate and violence. This is discrimination. These, this is when words really matter. And the cultural pressure to go down the path of tolerance, acceptance, respect, mutual understanding, celebration of diversity. How many people do we talk to that use the term, I want to celebrate diversity mm -hmm. without I mean, yes. pastors, yes. Christian college without presidents. Understanding without understanding what under they're saying. They don't understand that they're adopting this language mm -hmm. um, from the culture. So go follow our friend Kelly Ski. Um, she's at Kelly Ski on Twitter. She's doing a great job of researching these issues and providing very valuable information through primary sources. Mel on YouTube says, um, the stairs of tolerance seem rather binary to me, lacking nuance. Ironically, yes. And that's exactly what it is because once they can pin you into the language, then you're there. Then it's like, yes, you know, well, if you don't accept me, then you're being, you know, blank. And it, it's so, it's such a, a non-nuanced conversation that you just get stuck in this lane and you're either for me or against me. And if you're yeah. against me, then you're doing, you know, hatred and violence. And there's really no, um, no room for per a person who does not affirm the social theories to even be a person to a degree. Yeah. Okay, with that, we're going to go out and hear from our friends at Impact 360. Don't go anywhere. We still have a lot of show left. Uh, I've got a couple more surprises for Monique. We're going to tell you about another area that where we need help, as well as some volunteer positions where we really could use your help. Your skill set might really help us in the new year. So stay Yes, ready. yes, stay please. Tuned. Change isn't going to come just because you want it to. Change comes because you are intentionally taking steps to making that change. I aspire to be someone who continues to build bridges with other cultures and who cultivates a community that's healthy and honoring to the Lord and life-giving. Now after the program, I feel like I know what my purpose is and I know what I want to do going out into the world. And how to not have this time to step back and just kind of be patient and be still and just listen, I don't think I would have had that same clarity. In this world, it's kind of like in a scream contest. Who can scream the loudest? And who's going to listen to that person yelling the loudest? And that person should be God. But he's not yelling. He's calling us. My hope going forward to interact with culture is to tell people, like, hey, like, be still. 
listen to this guy is calling you. He's calling you home. Very good. Once again, those are our friends at Impact 360. We're going to be there in just a few days. Yeah. And if you have a young person in your life who um, you think would benefit from worldview training, they can do either a week, two weeks, or a nine-month gap year. Um, go to impact360.org and you can fill out the application. I believe you can use the promo code, all the things, and um, have your application fee waived. Yeah. And that also helps them know that they're spending their dollars to help us out in sponsoring the show that it's good for them. And they know that you came through our recommendation mm -hmm. and um, helps them know that uh, they're being good stewards of, of their resources. Let's talk a little bit. We talked for a minute about um, some of the replays we're going to be doing uh, while we're on hiatus. We yeah. talked about the one with Arlene Pelican. Uh, we're going to be doing another one, another replay with our friend, Dr. Michael Gurney, who we had on in the first year of the show was a great episode about the importance of biblical literacy and training pastors. Yes. And we're going to be doing a replay on that because there was a big Barna study and I didn't give this link to Bob, but there was a big Barna study released recently um, about the biblical literacy of pastors. Yes. It's not good news. No, it wasn't. It was it's not low. good news at all. It was very low. And, um, you know, I think going back to this show and really hearing the the information of, you know, how do we get pastors to have a biblical worldview? Why is it important? Um, can be very helpful, especially in this time. Yeah. So our friend Michael Gurney, he's on our academic advisory council, and he was a professor of philosophy and theology for over 20 years at Multnomah College, which is now mm -hmm. Multnomah University. Yeah. So you aren't going to want to miss that conversation. One more preview is we're going to be also rerunning our interview with our friend Brian Crane. Yes. Who is the director of operations at the Orange County Res Rescue, Mission. Rescue Mission. Now, we talked to him right at the beginning of the pandemic, um, and you were still working at the... Yes, the food pantry. The food pantry. Mm -hmm. And so you guys talked about some of your experience working in homelessness, his experience in running the rescue mission. He gave a lot of very practical wisdom about the homeless situation, but not many people have seen this show. So we're going to yeah. play it back. I think it'll be a good one. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back to our help wanted theme here. All right. I think the, this is the last one. Yeah. Um, uh, CS said he just did an interview with his wife. It was great. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he did. Um, his wife is Natasha Crane. That's right. So the, the last one is Black Liberation Theology. Yeah. And I have read Cone and um, I've written about Cone, James Cone, who is the founder of Black Liberation Theology. But I could use some more help. I would like to go even deeper in, into understanding... Um, his thought process, the, his methodology, like what, what, yeah, I just, I have a lot of questions. I've watched a lot of YouTube videos of him giving speeches and I think I have a pretty good grasp on him, but there, there are a lot of questions that I ha also have still. So if you know someone who, um, you know, is wise or, you know, hip up on cone, let me know. Cause I could really use some help. And in particular, looking at some of the nuances of his, his, Theology, but also other 
key voices in black liberation theology because black liberation theology isn't just James Cone. No, there are other important voices in that stream, but having a dialogue partner for Monique on those issues, somebody who's really thought about it from a historic Christian framework and inter- able to interact with primary sources and offer some uh, compare and contrast between black liberation theology and historic Christianity would be extremely valuable because every single time it happened to us last week, every time we post about Cone, there are a lot of James Cone apologists in the world. Yes. And his voice is becoming increasingly um, influential yeah. in evangelical spaces. Even if the people don't know it's James Cone, mm-hmm. where these ideas come from, if you follow the stream back, that's where it comes from. Yeah. So it's important for us to to continue to develop that part of the ministry. And liberation theology overall, not just black liberation yeah. theology, yeah. the the whole, you know, endeavor of lib- liberation theology, which was started in South America, which has Marxist roots and things like that. Just combing through that would be helpful. Yeah. So that uh, is another area where we could use some help. And, you know, as much as we like to study, many of the shows that we've brought you have been part of our own education process. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like I said, whenever we're learning something new, we try to read books, watch videos, talk to experts before we come out with um, something. Sometimes it takes us like a year of study before we have a show. And you you guys don't know that, that that's um, all the due diligence that we do behind the scenes. Yeah, because we never want to, one, we don't want to look stupid before people. <laughs> like, let's just be honest. But two, we, we never want to bring information that's incorrect. Um, we never want to lead people down a wrong path or have some kind of, you know, wrong view on something. We definitely want want viewers to make up their own mind. But we want to do our best work to put forward the most accurate information. Yeah. So, um, okay. You ready for another thing? Who? You. Um, well, hold on. Let's answer this one. Um, where can someone find the article on pastors, biblical literacy? Oh yeah. Uh, if you go to the Barna study, yeah, the Barna study, if you go to, um, I think it's Arizona Christian University, uh, and you look up Barna, he's attached now to Arizona Christian University. He sold the Barna Group some years ago, so he's not with the Barna Group anymore. But if you go through Arizona Christian University, his research now goes through, I think it's called the Cultural Center or something with them, and Mm -hmm. he just published another summary of a larger project he's been doing on worldview research. And if you want to know the details of how Barna puts together those surveys, go listen to Natasha Crane's interview with George Barna from last week, man, that was interesting. I listened to that whole thing. It was almost, it was over an hour. It's almost an hour and a half, but he really explained in quite a lot of detail yes, he did. Um, how he does his research, how he verifies these things. He takes years to develop these surveys to make sure that, he gets statistically valid results and highly nuanced uh, questions and answers. So if you're skeptical about the research, go listen to the podcast with Natasha Crane and George Barna. It was very informative. Um, 
for for that, but go to Arizona Christian University um, to the cultural, I think it's called like the cultural center or something. Or you can Google for, George Barna yeah. and Arizona Christian the University. Elaine's on it. She she got the link there in the in the notes. So Thank you, Elaine. Yes, very much. Um All right. Okay. Uh all right, let's do the video from the Today Show. Was the next one in the queue? Are we going to get to the one that I really want? Yes, we're getting there. Okay, because I, I really. It's coming. I have thoughts. It's right after this one. This is the lead into that. Yeah, that one. So you guys have to see this. Have you heard about this? So this morning, we wanted to show you. <laughs> I'm trying to change talking. the subject. Some amazing baby faces. Look at this. So researchers in Brit- Britain wanted to know if babies in the womb These are babies. react when the mom ingests a flavor of food. Look at that clump of cells. And this is what they saw. Do you want to guess what was on the left? Oh. So the left is a, a baby in its resting state. Okay. And then on the right, you see how he smiles 20 yeah. minutes? The mom ate some carrots. Oh. On the left, would they eat? That was just a resting state. That was a resting, but, but he liked the carrots. She had like a oh, carrot pill. So were there other foods? Yes, there were other foods. I'm glad you asked. You want to look at this baby's sure. reaction before? Mom had, <laughs> mom had kale. Wow, wow. So here's the thing. The what about if mom had had ice cream? I don't know. Why, well, why would they go Why would they go with, Let me with explain. carrots and vegetables? So the SETI's co-author says the images could just show muscle movements when a baby's reacting to maybe a flavor that's bitter. So you shouldn't interpret it whether, you know, it's happy or distaste. No, I think that's how I do it. Yeah. Because once they get out of the womb, it's that same look. Yeah, yeah. it's the same way. That's not adorable, funny, though. But it just goes to show, you know, what you ingest. Yeah, yeah. you are what you eat. And the 3D oh, okay. imagery is pretty just cool. Really they didn't okay. have that stop it. when I was pregnant. No. Did you get 3D? Yeah. That man has been on that show since I was like seven years old. Al Roker. He's, he's, the guy all the way over here. Yeah, it's Al Roker. I mean, wow. He ain't playing. He didn't play that show out, boy. He ain't, but he didn't found him a home. Yes. Okay. Those were babies. I know. And I like that she called them babies in the womb. And And they were smiling. Because they're human people. And not just, you know, the clump of cells. Like, there's this one um, woman during, um, gosh, it must have been, it was some role march when everything went down with Roe v. Wade. And she had, she was pregnant. And she was holding a sign, pointing down to her belly and saying, not a human yet. And I was like, you are special. <laughs> you special for real. I, but um, I, I just watched that. and I'm like, I, I don't know how you can be more tone deaf in, yeah. in that clip. I mean, it's like, oh, you can be more tone deaf. <laughs> yes, you can. Do, do, do they not see that they're calling them babies? And they're so if they can possibly understand and and taste the difference between vegetables don't you think they could feel pain feel pain feel their limbs being torn apart i mean have they not connected these dots okay i just my mind was so then simultaneously in the news this week we had the brain trust of stacy abrams I think she's running for governor of Georgia. It's only a baby when it's convenient for the story. Gwenda got it right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So, so in, in other news, I think she's not still running. I thought she lost. I don't, she's running for something. She's everywhere. She's in every black church in the South. Okay. Roll the clip. 
is no such thing as a heartbeat in six weeks. It is a manufactured sound designed to convince people that men have the right to take control of a woman's body away from her. All right, play it again, because it was just, it was so fast. It's, the, the, the wisdoms. Let's hear the wisdoms. There is no such thing as a heartbeat in six weeks. It is a manufactured sound designed to convince people that men have the right to take control of a woman's body away from her. There yeah, oh. <laughs> shut up, shut there's, up. <laughs> there's, so I, I, I don't, I don't. There's, there's, that's not, a, it's a manufactured sound. I saw all kind of OBGYNs on Twitter this week. Like, I was today years old when I learned that that's not a baby's heartbeat. You know, what is so sad is her level of influence. And then you but just have but those. All, the, all those other people on the stage were nodding. Oh, you know. And you know, never mind. Um, <laughs> Petty Mo. Uh, yeah. Oh, Eric is in the chat. Hey, Eric. Um, Co-ray conversation. Oh, yeah. Go um, people will just, I don't know if it's for the spotlight. I don't know if they want to be liked. I don't want to be liked that much. I care less. You like me, like me, don't you don't. Like, it's just the, we just going to nod. We just going to sit here and I don't ever sit here and just nod for me when I'm telling the devil's lie. Don't ever. Because well, I will never, you. I will never just nod for you. Girl, if we got a difference of opinion, forget about facts and scientific facts. Yeah. Yeah. Like the whole just they just nodding her level of influence that just goes out. She's always in churches. She's in like speaking, so many black just, churches just, on this platform. But she, the, what she's speaking and what she's spewing out is so antithetical to the gospel. It's antithetical to the scriptures, the entire canon. Like, I'm just like. Oh. <laughs> Y'all, I don't know what we're doing, but yes, there is no heartbeat is a manufactured sound. I've never been for, pregnant. For the, for but the I don't, oppression, so I, men can oppress women. I don't know how they manufacture the kicks. That's That was my question. Well, I think I, Bob's got an article to that effect. He's going to help us here. Yes, um, Elaine, she did say she knows her Bible. She, I want to say she might be a PK. Eight ways besides heartbeats that women are tricked into thinking babies are alive. These are from our friends over at the Babylon Bee. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Baby pictures. Mm -hmm. This is an obvious ploy to maintain the nefarious lie that all humans started off as babies. Morning sickness. Mm. Another brilliant construct of the patriarchy. <laughs> Ultrasound videos. The Today Show. Mm -hmm. Being duped. Weight gain. <laughs> A cabal of men secretly put extra calories into women's food for nine months. That's funny. Genetic testing. Genetics is a complete fraud developed to subjugate women by making them think babies have their own unique DNA. Yeah, this this is this is a mess. Feeling the baby move. Nothing more than it's nothing more than the Taco Bell you ate for lunch. Ew. <laughs> the crying sound when the baby is born. That's just the nurse weeping because of how ugly the little blob of cells is. That's so sad. You know, I just, I don't really know. I don't know where we go from here. I don't know where we go from here. We ha we're, and I have we're, a we're going into like two different versions of reality. You know, it's, I never thought I would really see postmodernism play out quite this way. 
when I was in my 20s and learning about it, I thought, that'll never happen. People won't deny physical reality. Yeah. Now here I'm in my 50s. It's like, oh, here we are. But I mean, can you imagine wanting, like having an agenda, like you're so connected to this agenda that you will deny like the reality and then you will encourage other people to deny reality? And and you do it in the name of Jesus? I can't. Because she, like, when she got, when she was in that church, I watched her a couple weeks ago in a church, and she was like, I know my Bible. And, you know. The other day Jesus she was comparing wouldn't. herself to Deborah in Who? the book of Judges. Abrams. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? I think we have now reached that point in the show. Somebody on YouTube the googly-eyed teacher says, Deborah in heaven. Leave me out of this. <laughs> ah, that's funny. That's funny. Whoa. Yeah. She's yeah. just, she's in churches all the time. Okay. But I mean, I don't know that that's, that, I think she's doing what she needs to do, you know, for herself. Is that my Christian problem, My problem is with the pastors who, who opened the door and let her in. You know? Yeah. Yeah, go to Woke Preacher Clips. He's got a lot of, yeah, Stacey Abrams clips. That's a mess. Okay. All right. Volunteer positions in our final help wanted. Uh, and if you want to help us with any of these things, go fill out our volunteer application on our, on our website. So one of the things we could always use is more chat box moderators to help in this live stream. Yes. Um, we need one or two more. Uh, so once a month commitment. Probably three uh, more. Uh, according to Allison, we only need one or two more. Uh, according to Mo, it's three. I'm just here, folks. You have nothing to do with it. I'm just here. It's not your stream. Just here. Well, it's <laughs> half mine. No, it's not your lane. Oh, not my lane. This is the lane that That's I true. supervise. That's not my lane. Not so, my lane. Anyways, go, uh, it's a, only a once a month commitment. And uh, if you enjoy these kind of conversations and apologetics, you see what Elaine's doing on the stream right now. And uh, apply. Mo's the CEO. That is true. Yeah, as Not Kevin, all the things, as, as Kevin says, it's just Mo's world. We're all just playing along. Not true. Yeah, very true. Not um, true. She bossy. Uh, if you're here anyway. Yeah, if you're here anyways. That's how Elaine got recruited. We're like, oh, Elaine's on there a lot. Let's see if you're she wants anyway. to be a moderator. So that's one big need if you want to help us with that. The um, next one is? Is Facebook groups. Um, you know, we have three Facebook groups. Um, we ha have, we're building a fourth one. We're building a fourth one for homeschoolers. So we're taking applications right now. If you're a homeschool parent mm -hmm. and would like to support other parents to be able to look into homeschooling, um, support, pray for them, cheer them on, help them know if they're getting into it for the first time, they can do it. Um, we're starting a support group for people connected to CFBU. So go apply uh, to be a moderator for our Facebook group. Yes. We also, our other three Facebook groups are um, the bi-ethnic families, the parents of children who have deconstructed or gone woke, and then our educators group. I don't know what that was for. I wasn't looking in the right camera. Oh, I was just over here Bob's, talking to nobody. Bob's arm was going in the air. I didn't know what that was yes. for. Okay. Okay. Um, another, th another need that we have is 
And I'm just going to put this out there um, and we'll see if anyone steps up. But um, we would really like to put together an app in 2023 mm-hmm. that would be able to have one handy place for people to access our content so that we don't have to be quite so dependent on social media in case something happens to our social media. So if you know about the basics of app building, not necessarily noting, knowing the coding, because we can get kind of a drag and drop type of platform, but you would be able to know how to put an app together. And I just don't have time to do it. I played around with it. I signed up for an account with a service. The service looks good. It's used by a friend of ours for his church. It, it looks robust enough for what we need. I just don't have time to sit there and put this whole thing together and figure out how it all works. So if you have experience with app building, um, again, it's not a big complicated app that we want to do, but we want to get people our feeds for our blog and our podcasts and some basics, um, getting them connected. Go fill out the application to be a volunteer. Yes. We could really use some help in that area. And the last one is a writer to help with our um, newsletter. Yes, we just need one person. But I mean, if two people applied, that'd be awesome and amazing. But yeah, someone to help with. We have a quarterly quarterly newsletter that we send out to all of our um, monthly partners. And so it's help with um, getting articles together, interviewing people that we might highlight in our newsletter, writing stories for us, and yeah, doing all of the the newsletter type things. Yeah, and um, Tremaris, I'm not sure if you're, or no, Tiana, I'm not sure if you're asking if you're brand new to homeschooling, can you apply to be a moderator? Sure. Um, oh, yeah. Go apply. Uh Or if you're saying, what if you're brand new to homeschooling, can you join the group? Definitely, that's who it's for. So that, that, um, uh, hopefully that clears that up. Um, So go to our volunteers page on the website. You can see other positions that we're looking for help in. uh, But those are some urgent needs that we have in moving into 2023 to help us meet our goals the googly eye teacher says love homeschooling that could just be something you apply for then yes share the love share the wisdom that's right so thank you for all of your support and you know we are heading into the year end we've got a very exciting project in the works and we can't tell you about it yet yeah but trust me it's pretty cool. It's very cool. And so pray for us, pray uh, for provision, uh, you know, with resourcing and people and research help and all that stuff. But um, please be praying for us. Pray for wisdom. Pray for provision that the Lord will meet all of our needs um, and that we'll have wisdom about some some big decisions. Yeah. um, If you ever want to pray, just pray for us. You don't know what to pray for. Pray for wisdom. That is always the that's always my prayer request. I'm not going to speak for Krista, but mine is always wisdom. I always want to know, Lord, like in wisdom, how should I make this decision? So 
yes, that would that would be great. And um, we do want to remind you that not next week, but starting the week following, we will be in um, we'll start showing rewind rewind shows or reruns just older shows that um, we think would be helpful, especially in our current cultural climate and let that be a support to you as well. And then once those are, once those end right um, around Thanksgiving time, we will then come, we'll be dark completely and we will come back at the beginning of the new year and start season five. Yeah. Hard to imagine. So Seth is asking, I think this is a question for Bob. Um, when you upload the episodes, it says uploaded on Friday when it is on Saturday. Do you notice that when it's uploading? I think it's, he's talking about the podcast because I have noticed that when I do notice it, I always have to go in there and manually change the date, but there's something about our podcast service that always uploads it. It always puts it on the previous day. If I do notice it, I change it manually, but I think, yeah, uploading on Spotify yeah, that's the the audio podcast. I've noticed that. I don't know why our podcast service defaults to the previous day. Sometimes I correct it, but it's just one of those things. So, all oh, right, Kim. I think that that comment is hilarious. It yes, she she prayed God give them Stacey Abrams' portion of wisdom. She isn't using <laughs> it. That's hilarious. All right, you guys, we are out we will see you again here and there yes but we'll be back officially we'll watch us in the family meetings off code theology mom podcasts are still coming through the end of the year yeah i've pre-recorded some stuff we'll we'll still be active you'll still see us um but be praying for us okay god bless you good night thanks for listening to all the things Be sure to subscribe to our website at allthethingsshow.com and find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or wherever you stream your podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and the bell so you'll receive alerts when we post new shows. We'll see you next week.